the business part is really kind of a formality. We've tried to streamline it and uh, make it as, as uh, quick and easy as possible. Uh, and I wanted to come for that, but the real reason I wanted to be here tonight is to be with you and to speak out of my heart for you. Um, stand with me before we read the scripture tonight. <clears throat> few minutes ago when the, the worship team, which is amazing, <laughs> amazing, what a beautiful name it is. Maybe you've come here tonight and you've stepped into this sanctuary, but on the other side of these doors and on the other side of your doors, either at home or at your job, things are not good. And uh, maybe it's a diagnosis, a prognosis, maybe a difficult work situation. Maybe here you are um, at the end of the month, but you ran out of money two weeks ago. You ever been there? But whatever your situation is tonight, uh, I, I just want us to join together and speak the name Jesus over it. If you've got sickness in your body, he's a healer. If things are a little rough for you right now, he's a peace speaker. If there's a storm raging, he can cause that storm to stop. So let's just speak his name over lives and situations and circumstances. Right? Just go ahead where you are. Father, in the name above every name, we speak Jesus over sick bodies tonight. We speak the name Jesus over strained relationships. We speak the name Jesus over financial crises. Lord, we speak the name Jesus over families that are going through a rough time right now. We speak the name Jesus over businesses that might be struggling and those that own those businesses not knowing what to do. We speak Jesus' name for wisdom. And Lord, over this house tonight, we speak Jesus. And over this community, we speak the name Jesus. Lord, let this be a, a, a place of peace and a place of life and a place of health and healing for people that are wounded and hurting. Bring them, Lord, from every direction, we pray. Tonight, Lord, we're here to celebrate you. What a great, great God that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, and we're, you have in hand a handout. Uh, so you've got to look, listen, and write. That's to keep you from napping. And uh, so we're looking at Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. 
Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Jesus is sharing a story, a parable. Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. You ever invited somebody to church and they had an excuse? So they invited these people to this great supper, and they had excused. And one said, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Hmm. I won't say it. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight on a subject entitled Compelled Times Four. Four reasons, four compelling reasons we must compel people to come to the Lord. And I just want to do kind of a a, a preface this message tonight with this statement that Rejection of the invitation does not change the outcome. I think sometimes people think, well, uh, you know, if I don't know, if I go and listen, then I'm accountable. If I go and hear, then I've got to do something with that. But rejection of the invitation does not change the outcome for the one that's invited. Secondly, that rejection by those we invite, does not relieve us of our responsibility to keep inviting. You see, the Holy Spirit never quits inviting us to come to the Lord. And there may be somebody, some bodies that you've been praying for, someone you've been working with, some individuals you've been inviting, and they just don't have any interest. Just like, you know, they just blow you off, just kind of brush it off, and and always have a reason, always have an excuse, maybe even sometimes getting a little, you know, a little ticked about it. But that's all right. Just keep on loving them and keep on inviting them because it does, just because they say no, it doesn't mean that we're to stop. Because the next time may be the time that they show up and God just gets crazy in their life. Amen? All right, four compelling reasons we must compel people to come to Christ. Number one is the lostness of man. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. A lot of people don't know that they're lost. John 3, verse 17 and 18 says, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. You know, we're not here to condemn people. Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
our message is not one that you're wrong, you're bad, uh, you know, you, 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 God doesn't approve of what you're doing. That's not our message. God may not approve of what they're doing, and their life may be messed up. But what we're here to do is to, to uh, share with them the good news that Jesus came to turn a mess into a miracle. You know anybody that needs a miracle tonight in their life? And Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Revelation 20 verse 15 7, uh, says, Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We don't talk about hell much. It's not a subject that gathers friends, you know. It's not a popular subject. It's not something that people want to hear. But nonetheless, it is true. And uh, the, the fact is that there will come a day, uh, in fact, in this meeting tonight, in a few minutes when we call the roll, you will answer here. And one day there's going to be a roll call in heaven. We used to sing it back in the day, when the roll is called, if yonder, I'll be there. When we get saved, the Lord records our name in the Lamb's book of life. And if we're not saved, if we haven't accepted Christ as Savior, whenever he calls that name, when he ever calls that person's name and they're not there, there's another place they will be. You see, uh, according to the scripture where it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, it's really not, it's not what we do that makes us a sinner. It's really what we don't do. I'm not talking about not going to church, not reading the Bible, not doing this, not doing that. But really what makes a sinner a sinner is not accepting Christ as Savior. A drunk is not, a drunk, is not lost because he's a drunk. He's lost because he hasn't put his faith in Jesus Christ and his shed blood on Calvary's cross. A drug addict is not lost because of the drugs they do. They're lost because... They need Jesus and haven't accepted him. Aren't you glad that you found him one day and he found you and Jesus came into your life? Hallelujah. So, we must compel people because of the lostness of man. Secondly, the love of God. Romans 5.8 says that God commended his, Lord, his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing that while people are out there living wild and, and partying and pilling and drinking and drugging and all of that, God loves them. You see, you can't sin your way out of the love of God. Isn't that good? We can't sin our way out of the love of God. He loves you with an everlasting love. And that love is constantly drawing people unto himself. The word says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, I love this verse. In this, verse 9, in this was manifest the love of God toward us, that God sent forth his only begotten son that we might live through him. God sent his son not to make our life miserable, but he sent his son that we might live through him. Real life is not out there in the world somewhere, away from God, doing what you want to do, when you want to do it. 
real life is in the Lord Jesus and, and accepting Him as Savior and, and living out life, doing life with God in our life. Hallelujah. The next verse says, in, uh, Herein is love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and gave Himself to be the propitiation, that's the payment for our sin. We used to sing this chorus. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Christ Jesus paid a debt I could never pay. And that's what he did. When he laid down his life on Calvary's cross, he paid sin's debt for you and I. And the way we get saved is when we accept the payment of that sin for us. Oh, thank God. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but his blood washed it white as snow. So the lostness of man compels us. The love of God compels us to compel others to come to Jesus. Thirdly, the lack of time. The lostness of man, the love of God, the lack of time. You see, the church is working against three deadlines. I call this first deadline a spiritual deadline. Genesis 6 verse 3 describes, the first three verses of Genesis 6 describes what life was like on planet earth in Noah's day. It was bad. It was real bad. Say, so how bad was it? Well, it was so bad that God, it says, you can read it, God said it, 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 uh, it repented him that he even made man. The very imagination of man's mind was evil continually. Violence was great upon the, uh, the face of the earth. If, if, God, if it upset God then, my Lord, what is it like now? whenever we're killing babies in the womb and on and on the list could go. But the scripture says in Genesis 6-3, God said this, my spirit will not always strive with man. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has a spiritual deadline. It's possible to cross a line, a point of no return. You hear me tonight, if you're here and maybe uh, you're affiliated with this church, but you haven't really uh, embraced Christ fully. It's a dangerous thing to say no to God. It's possible to say no to God so many times and to push him away and to push him away and all the time he's working on us and he's loving on us and he's drawing us and, and he's shown us and, and we feel his presence and we keep pushing him away, it's possible to cross a line, a point of no return. I didn't say that. God said it. My spirit shall not always strive with you. That's why it is imperative that we compel people to come to God. Somebody tonight may cross the line. Do you have someone in your circle, someone that's connected to this church that may have said no over and over and over again and they don't realize it and they're going to cross a line and never feel the draw of God. God have mercy. 
So the first deadline is a spiritual deadline. The second deadline is the rapture of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, therefore get ready. What did he say? Therefore be ready. You can't call 911 when the trumpet sounds. You can't call the preacher, call the prayer line. Can't get on Facebook and say help. Therefore be ye also ready. That means we need to live ready. Rapture ready. Come on somebody. We need to live rapture ready. It don't matter whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Saturday, Tuesday. I'm ready if he comes or calls. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Hebrews 10, verse 35, 6, and 7 says, Therefore, cast not away, that's verse 35, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Don't throw away your faith. Verse 36, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might inherit the promise. Verse 37 says, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Somewhere in heaven tonight, the Son of God, the word tells us where Jesus is. He's seated. Stephen said he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But there's coming a day whenever God the Father is going to turn to the Son. He's going to say, Son, go get my church. And Jesus is going to get up. Turn to somebody and say, he's getting up. (laughs) Jesus is going to get up and he's going to descend. Homeland Security doesn't know this. But he's going to invade this planet. And he's going to, the the church is going to be called up. According to 1 Thessalonians 4, going to be called up. We're all going to be called up. No matter what ethnicity. It's easier to preach than to say ethnicity, sicity. (laughs) Whatever color we are. Well, that's right, it's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Big, small, rich, poor, Baptist, Methodist, it doesn't matter. If Jesus lives in your heart, gravity will lose its, its, its pull and its draw on us and the church will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Wow. Third deadline is death. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto a man wants to die and after this a judgment. I had a doctor's appointment the other day and before, before the appointment they sent me a text. You ever got one of them texts? It said uh, to confirm the appointment, push one. You want to cancel, text two. Well, I wanted to text two, but my wife said text one. 
Guess what I did? I text one. But you know what? God didn't go send us no text. We all, it says, it's appointed. Every one of us have got an appointment. We don't know when the appointment is. God's not going to text you or me the day before and say, hey, just want to give you the heads up. You see, this is the way life is. When you were born, God deposited X number of days into your life account. Everybody's got a different balance. None of us know what the balance is. And the deal is, you can make a withdrawal tonight at midnight. There's going to be a withdrawal on your account. You used up a day. You can make a withdrawal but you can't make a deposit. And everybody in our circle of friends, we don't know what the balance in their account is. It's appointed and a man wants to die. And it, it, we are compelled by the shortness of life and, and the assurance of death to do all we can. What if, so what if we offend someone, if they get a little perturbed at us inviting them? Because if they come and accept Jesus, that's a game changer right there. Amen? All right. Almost done. Very quickly. Fourth thing, fourth reason is the last words of Jesus. Matthew 28, 8, 16 through 20 is a great commission. Acts 1, 8 says, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Those were the last words of Jesus before he left here. That's what he told his church to do. City Church has a great, great responsibility. Do you think it's some accident that he brought you to occupy this piece of real estate? There's people that are going to live within five miles of this church. They don't even know it tonight, but they're coming. And they're going to get saved right here. There's going to be some people that were going to get a divorce that's not getting a divorce. The devil's mad as fire, I'm telling you. <laughs> There's going to be some people that are dealing, using, tripping, doing all that kind of stuff, and it's going to change because the city church. That's why God put you here. Amen? And uh, you're going to fill this house up more than once on Sunday. It's going to come a point in time when you say, hey, we, we have just got to have another service to get all these people in here. I'm speaking prophetically. It's coming. Last of all, how do we do this? That's the big question, preacher. One thing to compel people. How do you compel people? How do you do that? Well, ice cream sandwiches do work, I tell you. <laughs> Obviously, ice cream sandwiches might be a consideration. <laughs> the Catholics use bingo. I wouldn't I wouldn't go with bingo. 
Barbecue, yes. Can I get a witness for barbecue? <laughs> That's what I thought. How do you compel people to come? Well, number one, by uh, our life, the way we live. We are to live our life as a worship unto God. Worship doesn't end with the last song on Sunday morning. Worship just begins when the last amen is said, and you go out these double doors, and you live between Sundays a life that is a life of worship unto God. We're out there in the marketplace. People can sense God in you. So we live life as a worship. And then by, by our witness, we need to say something. We need to speak up and say something. Everybody else is saying something. Mm-hmm. The devil isn't timid. The devil don't have locked jaw. We need to speak up, don't we? Psalms 107 one says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then by our works, our worship, our witness, and our works. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, there's a light inside of you. We used to sing it in beginner. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Amen. We just got to let the light shine in a dark world. Amen. Let's stand together. We're about to transition to business. But if you have anybody in your family that's lost tonight, brothers, sisters, cousin, nephews, nieces, you know what? If you, if you took everybody in this service tonight, your circle of people, your peeps, <laughs> you took all these circles, y'all need a bigger sanctuary. You see, you can't keep this thing quiet. They're coming. I said they're coming. And uh, so we, we uh, they, don't, they don't even know it tonight, but we're about to call heaven down upon them. They're fighting a losing battle because the Holy Spirit is like a great magnet, irresistible unto God. So, Let's pray for our circle, kids, grandkids, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, co-workers, neighbors. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray that you would compel people through us to come to you. I pray, 
those young couples with babies. Because if that mom and daddy get saved, they're going to raise them babies different. Those kids will be in this children's church and they grow up to be in the youth group. And they'll make different choices than they would have made, God. So it's important, God, it's imperative that we compel them to come to you. Lord, we don't always know the right words to say. We don't know a lot of scripture, God, but you're inside of us. Your grace is inside of us. And Lord, whether we're in Walmart or whether we're at, on the job or Lord, wherever it is, we just pray you compel people to come. Lord, for that one that's praying for a daughter tonight or a son that's away from you. For the cousins, the nephews, the nieces, God, that are running the wrong direction. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we call the Holy Spirit upon them to move in their life and to to draw them and convince them to come to Jesus. Lord, help us to love them. They won't be easy to love when they get here. And they may not look like us and they may not talk like us. But Lord, help us to be patient and gracious unto them. And I thank you for the harvest that's coming to City Church. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.